Hello, friends and neighbors. Welcome back to Straightening the Record. This is Season 3, Episode 7. We didn't quite get to that 10 we were shooting for this year. We had some uh, some cancellations and some things get moved around. No worries. Uh, we we, we uh, play the hand we're dealt here. And, and um, honestly, I'm not upset about it. Because this time around, we got Jordan Mayland, uh, who you may know from all kinds of bands, um, from Electrona Doll, Keepers of the Carpet, which we talk about later, Tires, uh, most recently under his own name came out with uh, a wonderful uh, long EP called The Plan. We talk a lot about that and the making of that. Um and he's also been involved with the DMMC, which we talk about right at the front of the interview here uh, for the past couple of years, which, of course, has included all kinds of obstacles. But I think it's really, really fantastic that he's uh, gotten involved and, and made some changes that I was really happy to see in um, in the way that certain events were organized, which also comes up later. I'm just telling you about a bunch of stuff that's about to happen, so I'm not going to waste too much more time on that. Uh, a couple things that you don't get to hear later on here. Um, we uh, we talk a little bit more about uh, politics and about Star Wars in the full conversation. And if you're interested in hearing... A lot more tangents on this podcast. You should check out my Patreon. Uh, it's patreon.com slash Forrest Cochran. And in addition to the first edit of every episode of Straightening the Record, uh, you get to hear some demos and rough mixes and things like that from uh, projects that I'm working on. So... If you're a fan of Cold Winds, Junuchi Power, Crossing Tongues, or uh, my solo stuff, as well as interested in people who I might produce um, in the near future or have produced recently, uh, of which there have been a couple few, uh, you can check out that stuff and you can get early listens to all that kind of stuff. Once again, that's patreon.com slash Forrest Cochran. The lowest tier membership is uh, just $2 a month. And there's truly no difference between what you have access to. Uh, between $2 a month and $25 a month, you get all the same stuff. I just appreciate the support because it makes it that much more worth it to uh, take the time to make this podcast and... Um, and do some of these other music things, um, which are always worth it, but it's always nice to get that, that cash. So, um, aside from that, I think the only thing worth noting is when we're talking about the Des Moines Music Coalition stuff, um, well, we're talking about 8035 and it was announced, uh, between when we recorded this and when I'm recording this intro that there actually is a date for 8035, as Jordan says, with that sort of implied asterisk of as long as nothing goes to shit. Um, so really exciting that we have dates for 8035, and, um, you know, hopefully it's the best one ever. <laughs> we'll see. Um, I'm excited for whatever it turns out to be, personally. 
because um, there just hasn't been quite as much to look forward to recently. All right. Well, that took a dark turn, um, but I hope you are doing well, and I hope that you are ready to listen to my conversation with Jordan Mayland. Um, to kick this thing off, There we have a song here called, well, it's just called O3 on my iTunes library, but if you look it up on our Spotify playlist, it's called BS because the uh, initial bass notes sound kind of like Britney Spears's uh, Baby One More Time. So that's the song you're about to hear is BS by Tires. And then after the conversation, you'll hear the title track from The Plan. So thank you so much for listening and enjoy.
welcome. Thank Thank you so much for rescheduling with me. Yeah, Um, I'm glad it worked out. And, you know, like, uh, me too. I, you know, the last few months have just been crazy on my end. And, and like, uh, so I appreciate you, your patience. Oh, no, no problem at all. I mean, I got busy lately too. Yeah. Which is a good thing to have with new executive director in the building and we're making plans, you know, at work to actually move ahead now that the pandemic's over. So it's been busy and good. Yeah. A good busy. Yeah. At least slowed down, maybe not over, but like, right. Yeah. At least like a little more manageable. Um, yeah. I mean, I saw Mickey's announcement that, uh, the 80, we're not on right now, are we? Yeah. We're on right now. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Great. Yeah. (laughs) Sorry. I just went and pressed space bar and started. Um, cause I always feel like it's, it's easier not to, uh, uh, not to like make a thing of your starting, you know? Um, because, like, you know, just letting it gradually get in say, there. This, this is good conversation already. I'm like, are we rolling? No. Yeah. Uh, but, yeah, <laughs> yeah Mickey, is the, Mickey Davis is the new executive director at the Des Moines Music Coalition. I'm the program and outreach manager. Um, it's been a, a long year and a half, you know. We've been without an executive director for about a year now. Uh-huh. Um, so it's kind of like a waiting period, everything with, pan, with the pandemic and uh, with music education, not being able to go into schools, any type of event was just not even an uphill battle, just kind of impossible right. to pull off, you know, when your job is like, hey, let's try to get as many people as we can into this small space or this space. <laughs> and it's like, no, we can't do that. But right. uh, yeah, it's it's been really great having him around even on the first two weeks here. So Mickey definitely seems to me like a guy who like has ideas and is immediately going to go for them. Like, I don't know him super well. He's thought out, you know, uh, we've, we've, you know, I've, I've got ideas too. No, uh, but uh, (laughs) no, he's uh, very well-spoken and he has a a great um, background in the music industry with his, his, his past careers. So Mm -hmm. kind of a good homecoming for him and kind of full circle as I've heard him say, and I couldn't think of anybody else better for the job. Yeah. Yeah, well, and and of course the the announcement came out that eighty thirty five is going to come back next year. So there's not a formal announcement. Oh, okay. But I, I would think, unless everything that is being announced for anything, any organization, it's always like we're doing this asterisk. Yeah. Unless yeah, right. World War Three or another of, of terrible event happens. Yeah. But no, I, I'm we're, we're making plans, and it's exciting. We're talking about booking. We're yeah, you know, we just put a, a feeler out for a project manager for that for running eighty thirty five is kind of like managing the whole thing, and it's exciting. It's very exciting to see events like eighty thirty five uh, coming back. Gross domestic product we're working on for spring. Hell yeah, Me, uh, music university. We've done that in the past. That's coming back. I've been working really hard uh, lately on uh, music education initiatives. So. Uh, a lot of great local musicians, local music professionals will be joining us in schools and after-school programs and uh, yeah. summer music camps and things like that. And I think we're going to go pretty big on that. It's I've got a pretty long background or history with uh, music ed. I've taught for over 10 years probably and uh, worked with Uptempo, kind of managing the lessons program there. And then, yeah, it's, you know, we for DMFC, we, we did switch over to virtual music education for the last year and a half, which had its try to see the silver lining on some of that stuff, yeah. you know. <laughs> of course, it's impossible to to teach five or ten kids at a time how to tune a guitar over Zoom. Uh, right. Even that's frustrating. You can't just sit there and go, your pinky's in the wrong place or you're bending it the wrong way. Um, 
Right, but you, you can't like guide. You, their it, hands it was really tough. Stuff. So kudos to any music teachers or teachers in general, right. uh, who've been doing the virtual stuff for this long, or uh, you know, risking their health to be in schools and things like that. I got to kudos to them because, uh, as partners with Des Moines Public Schools, I know for the last year, partners just basically weren't allowed into the building, rightfully so, right. uh, until recently. So yeah, we're reorganizing and going big with music education, which I am certainly incredibly excited about. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it's exciting time. Uh, just feels like it's just been on pause for a minute, like everything else. So uh, yeah, I'm stoked. So is the education aspect like kind of your main uh, niche within the DMMC or? It's certainly one of my biggest attributes or to the to DMMC, I think. But as program coordinator and outreach manager, I'm I'm in talks with most festival stuff and okay gotcha uh, you know i run a lot of the social media and thing emails and blah 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 some administrative stuff for the last year which now mickey can take over (laughs) (laughs) but uh yeah i I do a lot with the music ed i would say that's my baby and i was happy to 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 run gdp 2019 that was a that was a a great time thank you it was really it was a it was a big honor for me to be able to to say i I did that with a team you know Mm -hmm. but i really took the took the reins on that and try to do what i thought was best and uh, one of the main vibes I was uh, was really important to me was to make sure there were new faces on the stages. So right. there were only a couple of acts. I think Druids, who were one of the headliners, and then Extra Vision did uh, a solo set upstairs. But they were the two acts out of like the 23 that had um, already played GDP and all the other acts and groups had never been on those stages before or been yeah. part of that festival. And who knows? I'm not going to spoil the beans. Spoil the beans? <laughs> spill the beans. Sp- spoil the beans. <laughs> I'm not going to spill the beans on you know exactly what GDP or, or 8035 will look like, but right. uh, I'm, I'm assuming we'll kind of continue some of that strategy, uh, that blueprint or that, that footprint from before and keep it fresh. But uh, just because you've done cert- something a certain way doesn't mean it absolutely has to continue that way. But right. I think there has been complaints in the last five, 10 years, maybe it's been the same bands getting a lot of attention. If it's definitely, if it's DMMC or if it's radio play or if it's just the stages and, uh, there's certainly, uh, more eclectic music out there than the same names. And a lot of those big names that you see on the stages deserve that chance too. Um, oh yeah. They, they, they do great work, but can spread the love a little bit and, uh, you know, be, have it, you know, be really uh, community driven, series or events and things like that. And I totally dig that about um, your attitude towards it. Like, um, you know, yeah, th- these complaints are are valid that, you know, you would see certain people on every 8035 or every GDP or whatever. And was it a, a who you know type situation? And right. I was there too. I've only been part of uh, the DMMC staff for two and a half years now, though I would say the last year and a half has seemed like five years. Um, <laughs> right. it, it has been rough. It ha- there have been some low moments for me personally. Yeah. Um, and I think for a lot of people with any job or just living life, you know, in the last year and a half. Of course. Um, but yeah, I was there too, you know, wishing, you know, working my ass off with the four or five, six bands I was playing a part of and going on tours, putting out albums, you know, being as productive as I can and then, you know, not being included on the stages. And uh, yeah, uh, from a musician standpoint, I'd like to, you know, change if, if there were problems like that before, they obviously have been addressed. And yeah. there's always something new happening in the underground scene or the music scene in general. And you got to keep your, your finger on the pulse of the Des Moines music scene. And it's a cool perk of the job. Yeah. Um, but I can't go out to every single show. Of course. Um, but uh, yeah, 
I think good things are coming, definitely. It's it's an exciting time to have a new executive director um, with the pandemic, not winding down, but looking looking a lot better for spring and whatnot. I think mm-hmm. it's um, things will be, you know, I'm going to say normal, but um, right. a little bit more comfortable and uh, doable. <laughs> yeah. Well, and and also credit where credit's due. I mean, the last couple of years um, in the before times, you know, we did see... Damn it, Wayne. We did see... Wayne attack. Wayne yeah. the cat attack. <laughs> uh, you know, the last couple of years um, before in the before times, we did see... Um, <laughs> we did see Closet Witch, you know, playing 8035, and we saw, like, uh, more hip-hop acts For sure. and, you know, stuff like that. So that stuff was all good to see, and I'm glad that we're just, like, kind of continuing that trajectory, it oh, sounds sure. like. Absolutely. Yeah, and I had, you know, I don't think I caught Closet Witch at 8035. I can't remember what show I did see them at, but when I saw them, I was like, even, you know, you know what you like or dislike as far as the genres of music you listen to. Right. There was something absolutely bu- brutally magic about their their performance, and and like, hey, it doesn't matter if you're you know math metal or you know hip hop or alternative country, whatever have right. you. There was something really special about uh, Closet Witch and all the performers. I thought it at GDP nonetheless, but yeah, Closet Witch rips. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> they really, they really, really do. Um, I mean. It's hard to argue with the statement that they're like one of the best bands in Iowa right oh, sure. now. Like, it, I mean, they're like you said, there really is just something magical about like that's so honest. Seeing they, yeah, definitely there's so no, honest. There's no faking and, it, you know. Right. I remember. I don't know the drummer's name, but I remember them getting done. I think I shared uh, a show. Royce. Okay, Royce. Mm-hmm. I remember, I think Tires played with them. That's probably where I saw them at the Vaudeville you know, mm-hmm. a few years ago, um, and they got done. And the drummer comes backstage, he's just like, probably lost five pounds just in sweat, you know, right. at, at the show. And I'm like, dude, it is fun watching you work. And he kind of laughed. He goes, yeah, it is kind of work, but it's really fun or something yeah. like that. I'm like, yeah, that's something right there. You put your entire body into it, but you don't necessarily have to do that for every single sh- style of music. You know, you don't have to come off stage with, with your head hanging half off your neck right. um, to each their own. But it was, it's always exciting to see that type of energy. Oh, absolutely. Um, it's, it's a great, great time seeing them. Cause they do, they, they all give it their all, mm-hmm. you know? Um, it seems like at every show, I mean, I don't know how many times I've seen them, but, but every time is really a treat. Um, and the audience too, just like the camaraderie, I think of the, the vibe of a crowd with something like that. Even again, if not, even if you're into that style of music, yeah. eyes are wide and you know, minds are being blown. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, I've seen a lot of people, um, who, who have said like, I don't listen to that kind of music, but that was awesome. Yeah. You know, and it's a great compliment right there. Oh yeah, definitely. That was a cool thing about GDP is watching the hip hop acts, you know, jam to the the metal bands and then we had you know a band like Desharm jones and uh extra vision dust no, no, dustin didn't play that year but like all sorts of stuff dj mm-hmm. dj tanner upstairs and we had mall cops and all sorts right. of different bands and everybody was just at as many stages as they could get to and it was you know that's that's what you want you, you just want good vibes at a concert and definitely it, that was the idea behind that is good vibes 
a, uh, a variety of mu- uh, different styles of music, try to represent as much as we can. And that's kind of the tip of the iceberg as far as the, you know, the talent of Iowa, as far as I'm concerned, just the tip of the iceberg, yeah. some of the best of the best. And so I look forward to uh, other events like that. Yeah. Yeah. Same, man. I'm, I'm excited to hear that, you know, all of these things are with that asterisk happening. Yeah. For sure. <laughs> Knock on wood and Knock shit. Knock on wood for sure. And- <laughs> Um, pray to the rock and roll gods. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Um, so, uh, you know, obviously aside from being part of the DMMC, you're, you're also a musician. I am also a musician. And <laughs> I think first and foremost, I'm a musician. Yeah. <laughs> I would say that is my identity in a way. If, yeah. If I didn't have music, I really, I was thinking lately, like, what, what, what would, would you I be? be doing? What would I be if I didn't have music? And yeah, I don't know, maybe I've been thinking, I don't know, maybe you know, theoreticals aren't the best way to spend your time. But, <laughs> but as you think about it, um, you know, maybe studying sociology or religion or doing something in the community, but I really have no idea what I'd be doing without music. It saved my life. Right. Yeah. Um, so like, like you said earlier, you've been known to play in like five or six bands at a time, but yeah. like most recently, um, you came out with the plan, the plan, uh, um, which really, really great, uh, EP, um, which borders on being a full length. I feel it's, like it's, it's about 30 minutes, five yeah. songs. So yeah. I've called it an album. I've called it an EP. I can't remember if there's five or six songs, but yeah, there's some long, long burns on it. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I love a good long, slow burn type thing. Um, this emotion is my favorite track on it. Yeah, emotion. Which, yeah, yeah, which is which is like, uh, yeah, I couldn't remember if it was just emotion or this. Emo- but anyway, um, that's the long one, the longest. It's, it's and, one of the long ones. Yeah, I start with a long jam, uh, the plan itself, the song, the title right. track, and then emotion ends another long jammer. And yeah, I was pretty stoked when I started coming together. When that started coming together, and I have to give props to to Chris Marshall, uh, who's obviously played with me and Volcano Boys and Tires, and he's in Acid Legs, Gleaner, and other projects as well. Mm-hmm. But he borrowed me uh, a loop pedal. Oh, um, hell yeah. And so I had never done anything like that before, and I was just kind of interested. Actually, I think it's because my wife years ago was like, uh, "What? what's one of your New Year's resolutions as an artist or something like mm-hmm. that? And I was like, I like to play a noise show. I like to play something um, improvised. Uh-huh. live how can i do this you know I've, i play synth i've got guitars and pedals and uh, i can be very you know chord progression minded when i when i do my music and very uh, strategic but i you know i also love you know some psychedelic music as well and where could i you know how could i do something jammy because you know when we're you know as i sit there writing a song or just jamming with the guitar you know it, jams happen and you know i've got that long reverb or something you know yeah um and I just kind of wanted to explore that, and I was putting together kind of a set. I think uh, Hella Goats from Chicago were going to come play the, the lift. Um, Chris Marshall actually set that up. Uh-huh. And, uh huh. And shouts out, shout out, Chris. What's up? <laughs> um, but yeah, he borrowed me that pedal, and um, I just started. I, I had just put out the Color of My Soul, which is a eleven song solo album that was kind of a hodgepodge of many different styles and you know, recording techniques in different places and buildings. And um, it was a long process putting that together. And um, I started, I got that pedal and just started messing around with it. And honestly, just kind of hitting a few notes at a time and then kind of learning how to use the pedal. Mm -hmm. And I would just come up with something. 
a, a cool riff like the beginning of the plan, mm-hmm. you know, which is four chords or four notes or something like that. Um, I had just had a probably a 2 a.m. drunken Amazon purchase of an auto-tune pedal. Uh-huh. So I threw that on and, you know, showed up on my doorstep a week or so later. I was like, oh, that's right. <laughs> uh, so I started messing around with, you know, auto-tune a bit more and vibing out. Um, and like I said, the color of my soul was uh, is out there. There's a lot going on. There's a lot right. of parts. There's, you know, I, I play all the instruments. I mixed it, everything myself. A passion project in a way. So I really wanted to do something a little bit more simple. Mm-hmm. You know, simplify, just just go off the groove of the song and the melody versus, you know, section A to A, B, B, C, and the bridge. And, you know, and now it modulates to this and we're going to go into a section here. I just want to simplify and go go back to, you know, groove oriented, not go back, but just vibe into a song for the most part. So I started, you know, just kind of putting those songs together. Um, I was going to do the, I was going to do the, the Im- improv type thing at the lift that March, mm-hmm. uh, I think it was March of 2020. Um, and COVID, you know, yeah. shut everything down. The show got canceled. Um, so I ended up doing like kind of a, everyone started doing like live Instagram shows and stuff like that. Right. Sets. Um, so I was just like, well, that show's not happening. Maybe I'll just do something in my basement, you know, and just go live with it. So I'm like, well, I'll practice a little bit more. And those songs started to happen. But I, but I put the brakes on the songs because the, the color of my soul hadn't come out yet. Mm-hmm. And I was like, stop writing new songs until this album is out. So I put the <laughs> brakes on it. And uh, w- as soon as that album was officially released into the world, I just got back. I just went straight back to some of those ideas. And so, yeah, the plan was just had a plan. I'll say that much. Um, yeah. Starting out as a more improv with, you know, where can this stuff go? And then sitting on those songs and actually plugging in and recording some of it, even though I did loop, I was planning on looping everything live and making it kind of abstract and whatnot. I do still, even though a song's like seven minutes long, I still do play every chord. I mm-hmm. don't loop and I, and I, and I don't do copy paste on that stuff. Um, That's cool. Yeah, I think so. There's, something organic about that. Um, yeah. Well, and, well, and like, <clears throat> I mean, looping is really cool live, but I feel like with the fidelity that can be lost when you keep sure. stacking stuff with yeah. a loop pedal, mm-hmm. it, I don't think most people would want to put that on a record. No, it, you know, it, it to each their own, of course, right. but I just kind of figured, you know, I just started, I've got my own recording studio downstairs, uh, the bird room. Um, and yeah, so I started just doing some basic um, FL studio work um, so that I had something to play over top and put down the synths, you know, the DX7 synth and some stuff on the microcorg and the DX100 I've got downstairs. I kind of like old, old weird synthesizers and stuff like that. I just got a, a, a Moog Liberation that lives in my basement now, which is a... A, a beast of a machine. Yeah. Literally a beast. Uh, the serial number is 666. Um, and Phil <laughs> nice. Young um, helped me kind of fix it up. Um, so, but I do love synths and yeah, got kind of just weird in my basement, just really basic parts, the the bones of a project and then um, sent it to Phil. And I, like I said, the color of my soul, I did all myself, um, which was fun, like a passion project. I love, I love writing. I love recording, uh, but I really wanted this one to, to sound a little bit more crisper. Mm-hmm. Uh, more professional and, and kind of go big on the production. So Phil produced it. We took those basic tracks and I did, you know, the real live drums, uh, 
all of the the vocals and bass at, at Sonic Factory, and mm-hmm. I had uh, Don Jacques. Um, I, I know I murdered that name. Sorry, Don. But uh, Hall, uh, Iowa Jazz Hall of Fame flautist Don uh, came in and uh, just destroyed flute on a few of the tracks. You know, uh-huh. we're done in just a couple of hours. Um, yeah, so I gotta gotta hand it to Phil for you know rolling with me, you know, and he, obviously he's my 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 good friend and and uh, band buddy and tires and uh, you know it, it was weird too because you know he helped record um, some of my older albums like uh, I wrote it all down um, some other stuff as well Nuclear Rodeo obviously tires but we actually hadn't worked together in a while so it's like hey let's go. I don't know, back to form, you know? You sure, know? sure. And we trust each other so much as musicians to producer, to engineer. Yeah. Um, that was, it was, it was so easy to go in, besides me having a herniated disc. Um, <laughs> it made it a little bit more complicated to practice drums. Yeah, for sure. Um, that actually reminds me of something. So when I was um, listening to the plan kind of a lot these past few months, um, there's, there's a line in... I think it's in the plan, the title track, mm-hmm. um, about like, uh, I've had three good days in a row this week. Yeah. Is that about the back pain that you were uh, having? That's a good question. Or, um, I would say it's, uh, the whole album is kind of about, um, I don't know. It's, 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 a, it's really personal. It's a really personal album. I would say I'm not going to go too deep into some of that stuff, but very, sure, it's, very, it's, it's a very, with. it's an album very much about isolation. Mm-hmm. It very much, I'm not going to say because of the pandemic and it, but, uh, I often, you know, find myself in my basement by myself, even though I love my wife very much. Um, of course. but I also just find myself late at night, just hanging by myself and, um, recording, um, I would say the last year and a half has been kind of low, you know, and I think it was just kind of an honest line mm. uh, at, at that point, you know, not every day can be good. Not every day can be bad, but holy shit, I had three good days in a row this week, you know, <laughs> what about that? Yeah. You know, but thanks. I'm glad you listened to it and kind of took that away. But, uh, well, yeah, it was, it was something you were talking about a little bit in social media and like stuff like that. And yeah, I mean, it's, it's cool. Cause it could mean a lot of different stuff. It could mean, I think that's the point of art too. You can be really straightforward and say, this person broke my heart <laughs> and this is the way I feel. And this is what happened. I like to be more abstract and even sometimes lyrically, um, you can kind of, you have the, uh, the, the range or the, uh, the freedom to be a little dramatic there. Yeah. Um, but I don't think a lot of that stuff was dramatic. I think it's a really honest album about, you know, isolation, alcoholism, feeling really, uh, feeling a lot of pain. Like I mentioned, I had a herniated disc. I still deal with it. And right. there were many weeks where I couldn't get out of bed, um, which was very scary. If you would have walked into my house, you would have thought someone was being tortured. Um, I've seen pain specialists. I had a, you know, the MRIs and x-rays and finally got a couple cortisone shots and, the really the, the what what made me feel better is not doing anything um mm. not not biking not going on walks so a year and a half of not playing shows and carrying drums and heavy amps again it's trying to look at the silver lining that i physically wouldn't have been able to do that anyway this last year yeah um and i'm feeling a lot better but i have to be really careful <laughs> <laughs> yeah that's... it's scary yeah, anybody with back pain can understand that and i feel for anybody i wouldn't wish it on my worst enemy yeah yeah, it's. I mean, I know it's brutal because, uh, like, my dad 
uh, dealt with a lot of stuff like that. I think he also had that exact thing, the herniated disc at yeah, some point. It's wild. I mean, it's, it, it hits that nerve and that that's a problem actually. And both of my grandparents on my dad's side, I've had back, they had uh, back surgeries. My dad's actually going in for a pretty invasive back surgery here pretty soon himself. Mm. My, my, my biological sister, she's had terrible, this exact type of thing. So it, it's certainly hereditary. Mm. Um, but I also think it has a lot to do with just living a hard lifestyle and maybe not taking my care of myself or partying too hard or, I don't Whatever. know, you know, lifting yeah. a lot of amps and not stretching. <laughs> yeah, shit doesn't help for no. sure. No. <laughs> um, yeah, well, I mean, and, you know, I get that from the album, like, that that it is um, really raw in a way, you know, emotionally and, like, in terms of the, just the, the feelings that are being expressed, um, even though you do, like you said, you do leave it... Um, a little bit open so that sure. you know people There's can interpretation for each person can draw different things from it yeah um but but yeah the <clears throat> yeah i was i was curious not only about that particular lyric but also just about like um the plan in general i don't know the plan uh i guess like now that you talk about the time frame of like um having written it during the pandemic, I can, I can see where that well, comes from. It wasn't from. purposeful by any means. I'm not, I was never trying to say, well, you know, yeah. here we are and no one knows what's going to happen, everyone. But, right. um, it was just very honest. And when I, when I write, sometimes I'm a few drinks in or whatever, and I will just say things. And actually when I write lyrically, I'll mumble, you know, mumble vowel sounds that sound good. Uh-huh. And I kind of then go back and try to find words that, fit those vowel sounds because I'm much more about the way it um, sonically sounds coming out versus the specific how, how lyrics. Yeah. yeah. Um, though there's a fun art to that, I think to still try to make it poetic and mean something. Um, but yeah, it's, a, you know, I think a lot of people have done that before too. I've, I've never been someone to memorize lyrics very well. I think every band I've ever played with would, would agree with that. If we're ever going to do a cover, <laughs> it's just like, Malin needs the lyrics in front of him because I, I loved listening, you know, I was a, you know, still am, you know, Nirvana. And, you know, I had no idea the words Kurt Cobain was singing uh, on Nevermind or in, in Neutero. Uh, but I, they, they spoke to me. Like the song spoke to me. The way right. it came out just hit me so hard as a... The feeling of it. Yeah. yeah. So I've never overthought lyrics, but I love great lyricism as well. I love Elliot Smith. Uh, um, I love storytelling, like uh, Beatles and uh, Beach Boys. Um, sure, yeah, to it, teach their own. You can just you have, like I said, you have freedom to to be a little dramatic there. But uh, yeah, make it your own or make it abstract, or people can take whatever they want away from it. Yeah, well, and and it, it feels like the dramaticism goes beyond the 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 lyrical content as well, because like there's a lot of your music, not just um, the new stuff, but like going back like 10 years or more there's a lot of stuff that um even as far back as keepers of the carpet i feel like there's stuff where it's like you know maybe there's a little bit of musical theater influence here Mm. or or maybe like this dude's a really big queen fan or something obviously i'm a a huge queen fan (laughs) uh but yeah old keeper stuff i would say that was a little bit more on the nose like bad breakup type stuff sure and just you know but i just mean like the sad boy 
lyrics. But in terms of like more the like uh, melodies and the sure you know chord yep. choices and stuff Absolutely. like that, there's definitely like a there's drama there. Yeah, big 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 to small, small to big. Um, <laughs> feed that ego, you know, yeah. sing it out. Yeah, and I I think no matter what style of music that you're doing or um, writing especially performing if it's recording or being on stage or something, you got to own it a little bit. You got to not have to, to each their own, but um, to get there, to really not sell it, but to be uh, true to the art, you got to get there. You got to go for it. Yeah. That doesn't mean singing loudly. That, that, <laughs> that just means, you know, invoking that emotion or um, believing in what you're doing basically and right. kind yeah. of losing yourself a little bit in it. Right. And that, is, that now, I've never thought of it as like, any type of theater, to be honest with you, old keeper stuff. But yeah, it is like kind of like tongue in cheek dramatic in a way, like on just set fire the prize stuff, like motivation. I, when you mentioned that, I'm like the song motivation from keepers of the car, but it is very dramatic and big and queen. Yeah. And there's a lot of stuff like that. I've, I guess I've, I've written and especially I think the color of not the color of my soul, but um, I wrote it all down. There's a lot of stuff like that. There's a specific song called uh, your pretty love song. That is very, queen-esque mm -hmm. and it does have that big dramatic build-up or choir-like um attributes i think even recording uh i think it's your pretty love song no you used to call on me that's the name of the song you used to call on me mm -hmm. um i was recording it and singing and it is that kind of like freddie type go for it uh just just a high tenor voice and just sing higher than you can and push yeah. push your vocals and then i'm like cool i want to do like falsetto stuff on it now and phil's like i don't know if you really need falsetto on it i'm like <laughs> i want it to sound like a sixth grade boys choir <laughs> and i was in opus honor choir in sixth grade uh-huh um which was this big you know, a really big honor when you're when you're young and you get chosen. It's before the voice changed and everything like that. Had had this, the voice of a small angel, you know. <laughs> um, so I remember recording that and then you know doing a couple tracks of, of falsetto stuff. And he's like, he muted it, you know, or soloed it, I should say. Uh -huh. And he's like, "There's your boys' choir." I'm like, "We did it." <laughs> so there is a bit of drama there. I guess I was into you know Queen growing up or. Uh, I, I loved chorus class and singing and stuff. So sure, totally. I had some great vocal instruction and um, uh, from uh, in high school from uh, David Kikachik, who was our, our uh, chorus teacher. Uh, just just the man, just just someone who could like literally fine tune your voice and you could listen to an entire chorus. And you you think about where I grew up as far as North Iowa. I had, I think 30 or 40 kids in my graduating class. It was a consolidated school, meaning there were three or four different towns and mm -hmm. we still only made like 30 or 40 kids, you know, up. Mm -hmm. So to have that type of artistic, uh, I don't know, development in a small school like that, I really have to uh, say thank you to Dave Kikachik for, you know, he could have, he could have phoned it in with us. Right. I'll say that much, but uh, he didn't. Yeah. And uh, I take a lot away from his teachings and a, a couple band teachers like um, uh, Thomas Winkers, who's uh, he was only there for a year or so. I think only my freshman year of, of high school. I was a trumpet player. He was a trumpet player. Just such a passionate person when it came to um, music. Um, yeah. Like I said, it's 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 hard to be a teacher, and it's easy to to mail it in or just like, oh, I, I just got to get by for forty five minutes with these kids. Hey, they, it's wild to think what they put up with us yeah. and that we actually got a lot out of it. So kudos right. to teachers. Definitely. Yeah. Well, and 
I think it's so cool when people can combine influences that way, you know, like obviously, like you said, you're a big Nirvana fan. You're a big, like, I know that you're a big Weezer fan. Am I? No, (laughs) yes, I love Weezer. And, uh, and then like, you can take something like that. That's kind of ostensibly, um, simplistic and then also bring in those, those theatrical elements or those, you know, like more melodramatic elements, if you will. You know, I, I studied classical music at Central College. I studied jazz and, and that all kind of comes all, in. Yeah, whether I wanted it to or not. At the time, I, was, I wasn't thinking it was bullshit by any means. I really enjoyed my theory and, and classical training. Um, and I'm just, you know, 20 years later, excuse me, <laughs> thanks for the drink. Um, <laughs> 15, 20 years later, I'm like, God, you know, hindsight bias, but I wish I would have paid more attention. I would love to, to go back and restudy, uh, you know, inverted six chords or whatever modulation through right. Bach counterpoints and things like that. But um, it's always been a dream of mine actually to, to be able to teach like at a college, like introduction to theory and things like that. So maybe that's the next step. Maybe it's something I can do in the summer. Yeah. But yeah, I appreciate you you taking away like the, the different influences and think if you kind of, I don't, it's not purposeful by any means. Um, there's one thing to just sound like one band, and I think I was doing a lot of that in my early writing, just sounding like Weezer. Keepers of the Carpet were the band that sounded like Weezer from Ames, Iowa, and there's nothing wrong with that. Sound like your favorite band, write your own songs and stuff, but... Um, but you guys also did it really well. Like, <laughs> I No, no, I'm not even... <clears throat> Because it's not even like a nostalgia thing for me. Like, I did not know about you guys at that time. Um, I was literally just going to some shows in town, like, you know, Stuck with Arthur and shit, Mm -hmm. Slaughterhouse Six. Um, And I had never listened to you guys at the time, but uh, maybe a few years ago, I found out that, that the Keepers of the Carpet album, like maybe one or more of them were on Spotify. And I checked it out and I was like, dude, these guys were fucking sick. Thank you. Like, yeah. <laughs> like there, were not, kind of, yeah, yeah. There, there were two iterations of Keepers. There was like the original band that was like everyone from high school. Yeah. Uh, the drummer, Jason Holland and I were in the same class. Um, and then two brothers, Pete and Zach Smith, jumped in on on guitar and bass. And even before that, we had a different bass player and we didn't know what we're doing. We had no idea. Let's just say that, Mm -hmm. um, which was very punk and very naive, um, which is, but also very pure. Um, so when we came from kind of Farmville, Iowa, um, and started playing shows in Ames and Des Moines and stuff, there was a great naivety. Is that the right word? Yeah. Uh, about what we did because we had never grown up in a scene. Right. You know, we, we had no, the sky was a limit. There were no boundaries at all of what you should and shouldn't say on stage. And I learned a lot of what you shouldn't do and what you should, <laughs> but there's also the fun of just being, you know, wild and carefree and being ourselves really. Yeah. So there, there's that first album, which is self-titled that, you know, Bi-Fi Records recorded and put out for us and kind of gave us our start in music um, that had songs like Entitled and Rooftop. And it was kind of like the a cross between Green Day, Blink-182, Nirvana, yeah. Weezer, you know. All the stuff that... I was 18 or 19 when I was writing those songs. Right. Uh, then that that iteration kind of broke up and everyone kind of went their separate ways. Those guys, the other guys were uh, following their career and I was still trying to be a rock star and the band <laughs> broke up and there were no ill feelings, just happened, you right, know. Right, right. And then, you know, a year and a half or a couple of years later, Jason and I, the original drummer and I, start jamming again and we just... I, I continued recording on my own and 
uh, with with Aaron Heffley of BiFi, and we started playing some of those songs, and got another bass player, then got a different bass player, and then got, you know just <laughs> just jamming with other people, and next you know a couple of years later we uh, recorded an album called Just Set Fire to the Prize, which is my personal favorite keepers album or project that we did it just sounds really professional and i had matured as a songwriter is that the and one with the kind of like brown uh uh cover that, i think so yeah there's that, a, like a couple of tunes from it on that playlist you sent me yeah yeah that's the album because the first album is on spotify but yeah uh keepers were a fun thing uh and i do miss playing in that band and there has been conversations with different members about doing some recording or traveling and getting something done again. But obviously last year and a half really didn't allow that. Right. But yeah, we'd love to do something again. And we played the the Vaudeville Muse 15 year anniversary and got a lot of those, all uh, many of the members from those different iterations of those bands together to perform. And it was really fun cool. and absolutely exhausting because we're much older now. <laughs> and we practice, you know, two days in a row because we don't, like Jason's in California. Right. Uh, we so you get, just had a couple of days before we, the and show. Just and just rocked for five, six hours. And then <laughs> we ended up headlining, that, which meant that we went on like 1230, right. uh, one o'clock and I'm a I'm a night owl. In fact, I'm trying to change that a bit. My uh, sleeping habits have gotten kind of out of control, um, or staying awake habits have been yeah. gotten out of control. Yeah. <laughs> um, so I, I could stay up that late, but I was still pretty tired. But I looked at everyone else who's got like families and they're traveling. And I'm like, these guys are so dead. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but we had a blast doing that, and we got together again and did like a big show a few years ago back in our hometown of Buffalo Center in North Iowa, uh-huh. and it, it was just great vibes. Um, and we'd love to do something again, but. I don't want to, you know, when it comes to keepers, as as much as I love that, and, you know, honor that those guys and and you know, Bi-Fi Records gave us a start. I'm, I can't stop writing songs. I just always move forward. Oh yeah, for sure. It's it's fun. Like even like when Tires uh, joined me for the Plan release show, where of course Phil produced my album, The Plan, mm-hmm. um, kind of used some tricks and uh, of Tires, you know, to do that album, kind of combining some electro drums with acoustic drums and big synths and big guitars but they were my songs and they didn't really fit the vibe of tires 100 we're usually a non-vocal uh, all instrumental band and right sure we're kind of changing that a little bit and kind of blurring the lines a little bit but like even when tires you know jumped on stage or we practiced and practiced and practiced the, the songs from the plan and got together and you know reviewed old songs it was so fun to do that again some of those guys were like well we should do a couple old keeper songs and like if you learn them, I'll play them, but I'm not going to fucking teach them to you because I am so over teaching people these songs from 15, 20 years yeah. ago. Uh, rightly so. Understandably so, for sure. As fun as it would have been to play crazy things uh, or any of those songs from Keepers, it was just like, I have like no heart in it. You know, yeah. it was, I was just going through the motions at practice. I'm like, do we have to do this as much as I love those songs? Like I just put an album out that I spent a year and a half on, you know, let's, well, yeah, a year and a half, I guess. I put the plan out almost a year to the date of the color of my soul. <laughs> right, right, and and I mean, like like we said earlier, it's like a half hour record, so you slap like I don't know four tires songs onto we, we that set for and, like an hour and a half. Yeah, well, we could have. Um, yeah, I think Chris did a, a diet gleaner set as well. And oh, cool, cool. We did three of the five songs. We did all like the the heavy tunes. Okay, while uh, I did the the ballads by myself on piano which mm-hmm. is still really fun and kind of fun to go back to just the basics on that one the way it was written on a, on a keyboard mm-hmm. just singing 
Yeah, I was unfortunately was unable to make it to that show because I couldn't find my vaccine card. Oh, and- we could have got you in. <laughs> no, but I, it was kind of an important thing to kind of set a precedent, I think. Yeah. Um, I had actually seen Vicky Davis do the same thing. He did a DJ set there. And it's like, hey, vax cards required or a test negative COVID test from the last 72 hours. And, I, you know. It was a learning experience, the way to do that for me, for that, for that release show. Sure. I, I don't feel bad about it at all, but I know people are turned off with maybe the puffy chest. You can only fucking come in this way. And it's, it's important to respect the artist's wishes, especially when it comes to keeping people safe in a venue. Right. Like, you're, you're not trying to like fuck with people. You're just trying yeah. to make it safe. We are uncomfortable playing, you know. The audience wants to stay, stay safe. The the venue wants to stay safe. Sure. Um, and it was the first time I'd ever done something like that. So it could have maybe done a little bit more, um, I know, easier, smoother, um, made it a lot easier for people to like figure out how to find their vaccine card or mm-hmm. um, how, to, how to tell people like, oh, if you, if you can't find your vaccine card and you just just let us know you know we're not going to fight you at the door um but, sure but yeah, yeah sorry you didn't come because of that i well, i kind of figured that a lot of people are like oh shit that's a great idea but i have no idea where that card's at anymore right. i i think i, I, I even reminded tires yeah. i was like hey find your vaccine cards because we got to practice what we preach here yeah um and and xbk was really cool about going along with that um it comes down to it though we're just you know i think it's you just a venue has such a obligation to keep the band safe. Yeah. Um, there's a situation there. I'm not going to go into that, but if, if a venue is absolutely not, it's like, okay, well then the show is going to get canceled. Um, if, if a band member of a touring group gets COVID, their entire year's worth of planning goes out the window. Right. You know, you got to go home. Right. It's just, Oh, you can't wear masks for for a half hour, forty five minutes, or something like that. We've all been doing it. We're all sick of it. Yeah, and it's just a matter of staying safe. And yeah, I, I'm so sick of it. I'm so sick of the <laughs> pandemic and things. But oh uh, yeah, for sure, we're getting there. And you know, I don't know. Yeah, that's okay. I I only meant to say that to just to just let you know that <laughs> it wasn't that I didn't want to go because I really do like this album and and it's been of course like a couple years since I've seen Tires now and, right it's um, a couple years since we played right so I mean I was really excited about the prospect and um and so yeah I mean like I I think it sounds like it would have been really cool and I hope you get an opportunity to, to do that type of thing again. I think it's in the works. Yeah. I mean, it was a lot of work for tires to do something like that for me. Yeah. Even though it was like really fun practices and like teary eyed at the end of, you know, a show or something like that. It's like, I can't believe these people trust me. I love them so much. I can't believe that they would learn these even though they, it was only three songs they were complicated you know like there's a lot going on it wasn't a tires jam it was very a little bit more strategized yeah. um but yeah i i you know we've got some tires stuff in the works a lot of it's already recorded and i'm, I'm singing on some of them you know we just did cool. we did three songs a couple of years ago um that i brought in and they were they're a little bit more tiresy mm-hmm. um but yeah i'm singing a little bit more in tires not that i want to it's just like 
who cares, you know, if, if I'm going to be singing a little bit or if we're bringing someone else to sing. Right. Tires has always been kind of a community band in, in a way. Uh, right, like had you've had people, Diana come in. We, yeah, we've had other people guest on albums. Uh, Joran Brown right. played all the drums on Handing Off the Egg. Um, in the past, you know, we had, you know, a vocalist here and there. David Olson jumped in on some songs on, on drums live. Matt Dake was in for, for a minute. Um, yeah, it's... You know, we obviously there's the core group, and it's and it's when it comes down to it's Phil's baby. Yeah, I would say, um, but I, I I think there's there's so much again freedom to who cares about what the rules are and who you're not supposed to sing in this band. Oh yeah, like, I'm gonna <laughs> yeah, like because yeah, why would you why would you make such a restrictive rule for yourself? Yeah, Just I, like exactly. It's always been an instrumental band, and that's fun. It's really cool and easy. I could come in, you know, you know. It's. I always make myself literally sick, giving myself a cold, um, just by thinking about the next show when I have to sing. You know, oh, I've got this gig. I got to play for an hour, and I just make myself sick. You know, like I, I give my, I manifest a sore throat somehow. Um, so with tires, it's always been, <laughs> it's, it's always been like, well, I can. At that point, I can smoke as many cigarettes as I want. I can stay up till 6 a.m. and yeah. then do a show at 9 p.m. because I don't got to sing. All I got to do is get up on stage and play guitar. But uh, yeah, it, it has been fun kind of experimenting with some vocals in that band. And we've got three, five, six, seven songs that we have recorded at this point that we haven't, you know, some of those songs are probably three or four years old in the recording process at this mm-hmm. point. So so things people might recognize from yeah, a show. a couple. Yeah. yeah, a couple of songs that we've we've certainly played live. But I, but it is a little, I think everybody has a, a right to feel at their own comfort level of playing live at this point. We don't want to put an album out, I think, and not be able to properly tour on it and things like that. So it'll come. Yeah, totally. Well, you know, I think everybody has been having that experience. Um, Well, maybe not everybody, but certainly a lot of people have been having that experience of like, after you're used to being home for a year, Mm -hmm. it feels like more work to play shows than it used to. I I turned 40 during the pandemic. Yeah. Uh, My back went bad. Yeah. Uh, (laughs) I'm certainly not as busy as I used to be. I'm I'm rarely on Facebook uh, anymore. I took it off my phone. Type one of those things. I can't. I'm not doing this anymore. Yeah. Um. But I did check in the other day, and it was like uh, something from like five, six years ago. Of uh, hey, everybody, here's the weekend plans. I'm playing this show at the Gas Lamp. I'm going to Maximum Mames Music Festival. Then we'll be back tomorrow at 11 a.m. Then recording for the new Thermal Detonators album starts Monday. And I'm like, what were you <laughs> thinking? And how did you do this? Yeah. And that was only five or six years ago. So again, trying to find a silver lining in some of the pandemic stuff and going, take care of yourself. You yeah. know, um, you've been learning to rest, learning to rest a little bit. Yeah. yeah. Take care of yourself. You, you need those seven hours. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, so yeah. Um, Maybe a little bit more on the plan because um, one of the things that I was sort of interested in um, with with Phil producing and obviously like I know that you are because you're trained with classical and jazz and stuff like you're capable and often do write all of the parts for your own tunes. I can't stop. Like, I think that's a problem with some working with a band too. What's the? I can't. I can't stop writing the song, and I gotta let everyone. I gotta let other people maybe have a piece of that pie. <laughs> <laughs> but like, I was just curious with the plan. Like, what was the sort of? Um, 
uh what was the interaction what was the what was the relationship of like where does he come in as the producer as opposed to like just being an engineer like what were what were his contributions like with the songs i trusted him i'll say that much yeah uh and rightly so he's um awesome good question um kind of going back to like how it all started like i was just engineering or writing my own electro beats at home um, and doing my own synth work at home, kind of getting the bones together. Mm-hmm. Um, but I needed guidance, and I was kind of tired. I was worn out from um, the color of my soul in a way, I guess, artistically, or like so much goes into mixing. And then if it's your own project, especially with your own name on there, yeah. you just listen and listen and overthink every single EQ moment, you know? Right. So that was a big part of it was the trust of like um, – Hey, I'm going to record this, um, you know, I'm going to do the guitars at home or I'm going to do this. And it's just like a thumbs up or thumbs down, Mm -hmm. uh, stuff. Uh, sometimes a a producer, a producer can be many things. They they can, they can be very hands-on. They can be the person actually on the board, turning the knobs. They can be the guru Rick Rubin style where they, they don't even record with the band and they come in and just say what they like and don't like, or talk about a, a spiritual thing to each their own. I kind of look at like a producer as the coach, right? Um, someone to lean on, like, Hey, give me the game plan. Uh, or I, I like the way this is going. What do you think? You know, he was very truthful a couple of times and it sealed the deal as far as, you know, the way a mix was, or do we keep these flute parts? Does it sound too Disney, mm-hmm. you know? <laughs> and it was just nice to have that back and forth. Um, to someone to rely on, uh, of course, mixing too. Um, some, again, do producers usually mix? Well, sometimes, you know, sometimes like I said, producer, yeah. it, it's, it's a broad spectrum of a lot of different things you can do. Um, but yeah, when it, when it came down to it, I, I trusted his production skills when it came to specifically, um, uh, the way his drums, drum tone sounds, um, the way his bass tone sounds and the way his vocals sound. And then maybe that is a little bit more his engineer and just is the special, the speciality mm. uh, in a way of being, uh, such, such I, mean, I would I didn't mean to say know it all but like uh knowledgeable that's a better way <laughs> yeah, to say it. Yeah, sorry Phil. <laughs> um very knowledgeable about techniques I very trusted I very I very much trusted yeah uh, so I just wanted him to to be the person I could lean on as far as uh yeah like how did the drum sound here you know is this sh- uh, specifically recording the drums he, he would be like um simplify it stop doing so much and I wanted to do that on that album yeah um, uh, with with the color of my soul, I just added and kept adding and kept adding, and then it started getting to mixing, and it was just like, I can't make this all sound good together. You know, there's so much, and I wanted to simplify, so he he could kind of compress my thoughts. You know, mm-hmm. <laughs> if you were thinking about uh, that was kind of a uh, I guess a, a producer joke right there, yeah, Compre- <laughs> compression. But I could lean on him. Like I I do remember doing drums, and you know doing a fill every four, four measures. And I'm like, no, don't, don't do it. Or, uh, let's go back and this time don't do it with any crashes. Yeah. Really? Yeah. Hey, that's not how drums sound. I, I'm supposed to crash here. We'll go back and do that. Yeah. Um, and stop me in the middle of a thing and, and go, I really think you should be on the ride here. Uh, okay. I'll do it. I'm not sure. going to overthink this. Take, take me there. Yeah. Um, so there's a lot of that. And then just trusting that the way it was going to be mixed. Um, I just didn't want to s- spend, every ounce of my 
energy on it and and trust someone else's artistic uh, integrity on, on some of those final decisions, you know, when it came to anything, anything recorded. And it has, you know, that if that's, you know, the way it was recorded, the way it was mixed and the way it was mastered. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, yeah, you know, full, full production credit or co-producer, whatever you want to call it. But yes, Phil Young produced it. Yeah. And yeah, I'm very happy that we could we could share that time together, too, because he was being very safe about COVID. I was being very safe about COVID. There were no vaccinations yet. Uh-huh. Uh, going into studio was, you know, we were going out of the house even at that point. And, yeah. You know, I'm, I'm already kind of a germaphobe in a way or neurotic. Mm-hmm. So throw a pandemic on top of that. And that, you know, is scary for everybody and still is. And in my opinion, should be considered very, uh, it's very warranted to be freaked out. Let's just say that much. Sure. Um, so yeah, just to, to be able to vibe with him in the studio and trust him yeah. with all the decision-making when it came to, hey, I think that I don't think it should go this way. Or as far as production too, you know, I, I had, you know, string parts I really wanted to put on and it was going to cost a lot to, to sure. hire a, an orchestra or a five piece or something like that. Um, so I kind of thought back about the way the Smashing Pumpkins did Melancholy and I guess the, the way the Beatles did a lot of some of their recording with like a Mellotron, but we don't have a Mellotron, but he had these great plugins. Mm-hmm. So I, when I mentioned like what I was hearing, he, he just had the knowledge of like, oh, let's produce it this way. Let's, let's use this plugin mm-hmm. and we could record it and he could mess with it after the fact in a way. Um, so just his experience and, you know, professionalism was, was, was really fun and we're good friends and a lot of white claws were happening during that. And, Absolutely. Uh, beers and, you know, just kind of, but it was still very professional. You know, we could have a good time and, well, yeah, and, and Phil's keep moving a, forward. Phil's a quick worker, which um, definitely um, facilitates creativity as well. Yeah. Like it's easy to be creative and to get good performances out if you're not waiting around for your engineer, your producer to, right. you know. It was know. very hands-on. Like, yeah, he was, he was the man doing everything. If that's engineering, producing, mixing, yeah. mastering my hand, you know, I, I, I trust you, you know, yeah. just go for it. Not, not just go for it, but make it sound better. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. And it was so funny. I did, I made a, tried to make like a, a mushy Instagram post about it when the, the plan was getting mastered or mixed or something like that. And I said, I think I said, you know, Rarely do you walk out of a studio saying to yourself, that pretty much sounds exactly the way I had it, you know, in your envisioned. mind. And he, and he texts me, he's like, pretty much? <laughs> <laughs> That's hilarious. Like, oh God, you know what I meant. That's <laughs> hilarious. Well, because nothing sounds exactly. I will say, though, that it really certainly was, you know, it, it, it was it was pretty much a bullseye of what I wanted to do, and I'm very proud of the the EP. And it was a very different from any solo record I'd ever done. And I think it's different than anything I'd ever done before. Yeah, um, I was certainly and not like, just because of the auto tune. Oh, now, we're, <laughs> now we're getting there. Um, but yes, I uh, I I think I had a fun time using auto tune just in the the process of you know creating it. And I don't think I would have sang those songs or played them for the first time if I didn't have th- that tool. Yeah, I wouldn't have sang it that way. I was I was listening to certain things with more auto tune, and I huge fan of Julian Casablancas, uh, uh, specifically the his new, newest group, uh, The Voids. Uh-huh. And there's a lot of stuff on there that's auto tune, and the guy can sing. Oh yeah, T Pain can sing. Yeah, it's you use it as a tool, you use it as an instrument. Absolutely, I really wasn't giving you shit. No, I, but please I do. You. I, I I think it's 
I think it's funny, you know, and I was waiting for people to go, why? I'm like, cause that sounds fucking cool. Cause you know? it's 2021 and people do it, you know, it's not it's a big fine. deal. I, 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 I joked with pretty Fort Des Moines a little bit about it. Um, um, and I, I chase, I, I, I saw at uh black sheep one night. He's uh-huh. like, and I said something about auto tune and he's like, Oh, auto tune. Now I'm even more intrigued. I go, and if you give me shit, Fuck you. I've sang in tune for 20 years, you know, <laughs> as a joke, you know. I think they said something about that in their review. They of, sure did. Of the, of the track, because <laughs> sure I remember did. listening to it and being like, oh, that's that's a good line. <laughs> it, yeah. It, um, but yeah, like I was listening to different things. Uh, yeah. I was listening to Childish Gambino, uh, Awaken My Love, maybe that's the album. The uh, the one with the, the blue and the blue black with, cover. Yeah. 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 Uh, a lot of that. Yeah. Um, really into the album Miley Cyrus she is coming I love the production I love the songwriting so I think there's some definitely some of that rubbed off as far as like some production especially the ballads you know on that mm-hmm. album but I love the fact that the drum production is so interesting on that record uh-huh. um, and I think she's just an amazing singer um, crazy talent just awesome yeah evidently when uh, my sister ran into her uh, at a dispensary in California evidently oh cool from what she tells me but yeah, I was listening to so much different stuff, even like some Taylor Swift, to be honest mm-hmm. with you. Just like different production techniques. Uh, uh, Ludwig Garrison, the guy who did uh, yeah. uh, that album, who did the Childish Gambino and kind of discovering, oh, he you know, he did the Mandalorian music and, mm-hmm. you know, just diving into his discography and, and style, um, listening to more hip hop, you know, and just, I wasn't going to write a hip hop album by any means. It's, it, it's, it's, it's not me. Um but I wanted to use a lot of that style or at least not even want to intentionally. It just kind of seeped out that way and right. want to do something kind of groovy. And like, again, just kind of to, 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 to balance those songs uh, on the groove of the things versus trying to, I don't know, over impress or, or like record 1400 guitar parts for, for one song, which is also a style I like to do as well. It's a fun thing to do. Yeah. But hard but, to mix, but it's definitely like, um, I, th- I think it is a strength of, of the record that, you know, in a way the songs are dialed back and um, and in a way they're also these wonderful big productions. Like the fact that you could kind of balance that is like really cool. Thanks. Yeah. It was it was weird, you know, even kind of putting together the track list. Like what order should these go in? Yeah. You know, well, this, the album I think I'm calling The Plan. Actually, that I was going to call the album Your Sweet Sound, which is another song uh-huh. from, from the EP. Um, but I don't think the song was as strong as The Plan. Yeah. And The Plan was like, I don't know The Plan. The EP is called The Plan. The Plan is coming. There's so much marketing or like whatever, which I, I'm not – a marketer. I'm not a marketer. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Same. A marketer. Um, but it just seemed like something fun to play around with. But yeah, there's two big ballads on it. And even, I guess, emotion gets kind of ballady, but more psychedelic. Yeah. Um, yeah. And then to lean on someone like Don Jacques, who did flutes. And it was funny when I when I put it out, you know, because I, I do play every single note on the album besides the flutes. Flute. And then my wife helped me do some claps and snaps at home, uh-huh. um, which she's very proud of. Um, <laughs> and I think it's awesome. I think it's very cute. And I probably drove her a little nuts. Like, let's go back. I think we're a little off Do on it that. just this way. Just yeah. this way. Yeah. And, and, you know. She starts to see the monster part of you. Yes. Yeah. Well, she's seen. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But, yeah, it, it's funny. Like, you know, it was funny working with her and being like, you don't have to clap loud. Your headphones are very loud right now. 
take one off, you know, so you yeah. can hear the clap right there. Because yeah. it, it, I've done that many, many times too. And like, it's not, how, it's not the volume, but no, she, she was awesome. And I think Phil even like kind of used, he texted me and he was like, hey, by the way, I use those Lindsay snaps on a, a another song. Oh yeah. I'm like, oh, well, you got to like sample them. Yeah. And you, put them I'm somewhere like, you got to give her that nice 1% or those three pennies per year on something like that. <laughs> I think it's streaming or famous or something like that. That's funny. But yeah, uh, I, had a, I had a great time doing the plan. I'm very proud of it. Um, and we only got to do that one show. Yeah. We had another one planned. It didn't work out. Uh, but I love, and I'm not really wanting to, I mean, I would love to push the plan by all means, you know, it's, I'm proud of it, but I'd be much more interested in, in, in getting tires, doing more shows again, but mm-hmm. until we're more comfortable um, and there's a, a little bit more, um, I don't know, a sense of, being careful at different venues in sure. Iowa. I think Iowa is a, a little behind the times on uh, some of this stuff. Uh, yeah. There are festivals that are checking vaccines. Festivals. Right. You know, uh, a buddy of mine said he went to the Shaky, Shaky Knees Fest, uh, some Shaky Knees Festival. I forget what it's called. That's uh, embarrassing. But he's like, no, I felt really safe. They, you know, they check vaccination cards or, you know, COVID tests. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, people kind of spread out a bit more. And I'm like, at a festival? Yeah. How, you know, and people are upset that, you know, a bartender has to wear a mask around here. Right. Honestly, I agree. I mean, it's like XBK has a pretty casual mask policy, yep. which we like. And, and and they honor requests for vaccinations that's, that's when it. people want it. It's it just respecting the band's wishes. I, I bit a big old tweet about it and it, mm-hmm. I deleted it because I'm like that. I like to keep my social media presence positive if I can. Yeah. Um, but uh, but otherwise, it's like, yeah, it's just like, XBK like I said, and Noche that have anything what i what i was saying i guess with with that tweet or my 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 thought is bands aren't touring to des moines and then asking a venue to hook them up with coke and four bottles of jack and diff, the the m&ms arranged in a different order you know in different bowls and stuff they're simply asking to keep them safe yeah and half the time bands make 50 75 bucks at a at a, in a touring venue and that, that seems pretty good to get gas money to the next place they're not asking for much right. um just we and you know it's embarrassing when bands come to des moines and it's like sorry um that that venue wouldn't do that for you we 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 feel more progressive than you know than the rest of iowa in a way yeah um i don't want to get political it, you know music shouldn't be political um it's art you can use it for, you can say anything you want. You can make it political, but it shouldn't be used to, I don't know, shouldn't, shouldn'ts and should, should haves. Maybe I shouldn't go there, but it sucks that it's gotten there. I also, it sucks that the pandemic and COVID has been politicized so much. I would and, agree And there that. is now, now there is that, you know, divide of going to a show or, you know, going to a restaurant and things like that and what should and shouldn't happen and comes down to it. People should just be safe and just honor, you know, we're supposed to be Iowa nice. Let's honor the guests wants, you know, well, and alternately we can put the spin on it that like our scene at least is pretty conscious. Mm -hmm. And, you know, like I went to a show at the yacht club that was like Vonovance and justice fetish. I was there too. Yeah. Yeah. And like, you know, 
I think so, everybody had masks on. A solid like fifty to seventy-five percent of the people there had masks on, and like, and, no, and, and you know, it, nobody it's, yelled at anybody for having one or not having one. I'll or say anything. this: as much as I was kind of talking shit or a few beers in, kind of going for it, you're you're damned if you do, and you're damned if you don't. We're, we're really in a, a predicament, and I don't yeah. mean I don't mean to, uh, I don't know, shut down anyone's personal beliefs on that, but I do believe in the science behind uh, the research and. I just hope, you know, I hope we can get past this and, 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 and again, make, make it so the art and the music isn't politicized. I wasn't saying art and music shouldn't be used politically by all means, Rage Against the Machine, you know, uh, yeah. you know, use, use, yeah, <laughs> you, you ju- use it at, you know, use it for your voice. Yeah. It's more that music makes your intentions and, and your, and, and your words just that much more powerful by all right. means it should be used for political purposes or you know your own your own beliefs and whatnot but i don't want it to be politicized you yeah. know and we already fight enough with getting proper funding for the arts you know and now it's just been destroyed yeah um, thank god for places like you know neva and the shuttered venue grants and things like that to to help out um Save our, you know, places like sta- save our stages and things right. like that. Who, Definitely, who go, shouts out? Yeah, like who are literally, literally saving these stages and yeah. helping nonprofits and uh, organizations stay alive and continue culturing, uh, building the culture of of cities and their scene. That's yeah. my that's my speech. <laughs> Dude, <laughs> totally dope. Um, this has been a really, really fantastic conversation. And it's so difficult for me to track what, um, what I've gotten to and what I haven't, but, um, I feel like this is actually a decent place to, to, to wrap things up. We haven't talked about star Wars yet. And yeah, we, we can go into that if you, if you like to justice for John Boyega end of podcast. I love it. I think that's a good way to wrap it up. Yeah, there we go. Um, yeah, Dude. no, but but for real, is there anything else that, that you want to leave the people with before we, we uh, call no, it? No, thanks, Forrest, for taking the time and hanging out. I haven't got to see people for a while, and there's a lot of things. There's been a lot of music coming out in Iowa and, 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 and locally. I hope everyone checks out, you know, cool shit people are doing, if that's um, Huxley Maxwell, uh, if that's it's my if it's my new EP, The Plan, if uh, new stuff... Um, I, you know, check it out. It, it, it's it's happening. But if you want to listen to the plan, it's out there on Spotify. Um, Jordan Malin, the plan. Um, yeah, I I don't have much more to say. I could always find something more to say. But uh, <laughs> thanks for taking the time. Oh no, thank you. And I, thanks for what you do. You know, interviewing uh, local musicians and whatnot, having these conversations. It obviously as a a, a fellow past past podcaster myself mm-hmm. it, it means a lot to have to be uh to come on the show and and chat with you and hang out with your cat wayne who's been just cuddling next to me for like the last half hour yeah wayne's been much better behaved ever since he went over to the couch um he, he feels the presence of the dark side <laughs> he, he is he's he's totally dark side you think oh he can't be dark side look at him that was so nice
control 